Anybody want to learn how to consume the bread of life? John chapter 6 says it like this. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed in John chapter 6. They ate manna while journeyed through, journeyed through the wilderness. While they journeyed. And the scripture says Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. You like how he takes the credit away from Moses and gives it straight to the father and listen to what he says. And now he offers you, now he offers you the true bread from heaven. That was a foretelling of something that was going to come under a new covenant. The true bread of God is one that who is the one. He doesn't look at it and say it's a thing. He said it's the one. The true bread is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So anybody who takes of the bread should always experience life. If you can define life in the terms of the Bible and what God says, then you've consumed bread. Does that make sense? And so Jesus replied, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever believes or whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. What he is saying is you'll never run out of resource. If you're hungry, I'll always feed you. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those the Father had given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God. He who sent me not to do my own will. And this is the will of God. That I should not lose even one of all those he has given me. But that I should raise them up at the last day. It is my father's will that all who see his son believe in him and should have eternal life. I'm going to go ahead and stop right there because the next verse says he's going to raise us up again at the last day. A lot of people may look at that theologically and take it into a, um, they would put that into some type of dispensationalism concept or theory or theological approach of dispensationalism. Saying that the last day is actually referencing to the coming of the Lord when he shall raise everyone up and, 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 and so forth. And, I got some news for you. I want you to pray about something. Um, Jesus is coming back one day to the earth and it's going to be changing. There's going to be, uh, instead of water, there's going to be fire. I do believe that. But I hate to tell you, but Jesus already came back in the form of his spirit on the day of Pentecost already one time. That's something to pray about if you're stuck on dispensationalism. Some of you don't even know what the word means, but to those of you who do, study it. He is coming back one day, but his spirit has already been sent into the earth. And when his spirit was sent into the earth, it wasn't sent just to give us peace, but it was sent also to deliver us, to heal us, empower us, and help us walk and do the will of the Father in our lives. And you can consume what he has sent, but that bread of life will sustain you until the last day. I believe the last day is actually referring to every human being has their last day. One day will be your last day. But after that, your spirit goes on to eternity with the Lord. 
Why? As God gave manna in the wilderness to sustain them to enter into the promised land, so God has sent the bread of life to sustain your spiritual man to get you into heaven. Some of you will catch it later. How many of you want to hear about heaven's bread this Sunday morning? Would you pray a blessing over it right now? This is going to be revelation, understanding, and insight. Ask God to open up your mind. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you for keeping it simple and plain, helping us deliver it, God, in simplicity. And we ask you, Father, let there be an understanding and a revelation in our hearts and minds to grow in Jesus' name. Everyone say grow in Jesus' name. And you can be seated. Give God a hand clap while you're sitting down just because he's so worthy of it. I uh, recently have been, I feel like God has led me into studying a little bit of history about the, the Azusa Street Revival. How many of you have ever heard of the Azusa Street Revivals? I have been reading it and listening, actually, actually I've been listening to documentaries and watching some clips on this recently. Just, just felt so compelled to watch it and understand what was it about that revival what was it about that reviving? I believe it was a true revival. Um, I don't say revival all the time because here's why. Let me give you this thought. This is totally outside the box. It's really not outside the box. It's just a different box. But when you say God sent us revival and you pray for revival every week, every week, every week, you're actually even after God moves, you're praying for revival again. See, revival means that you have, God has to resurrect something that's dead. So if you're constantly praying for revival, that means that God has to revive you and kill you again over and over and over or let something die. So I don't always pray for revival. I pray that God's will be done and speak the word of God and because we already have been revived. Now, if you're dead in trespass and sins, God wants to revive you, build you, restore you. But at that point, God wants to build you and nourish you and help you grow and mature. The only way God can spiritually develop you is to give you a good diet. It's to give you the nourishment that you need for the spirit man. Did you know that your spirit man has to eat too? Just like your physical body, your spirit man has to eat also. The, the, the one thing we miss, though, in our, in our nourishment is, we've, I think that we have missed, not in all cases... But in some, how to actually consume the bread of life. How do we actually consume it? And what does it mean? I want to bring clarity to that and help us understand this. The way to understand this, we're going to go back and review just for a moment. And I'm going to go through and show you according to the plans of the tabernacle. We've used the tabernacle as an example for a blueprint for a spirit-filled home. Because this was a spirit-filled house, the original, the OG, right? This was the original one. That system has not been done away with. You'll find this in your syllabus. But that system was in place because it was a future image of things to come. That, because you have been through the blood and been forgiven, the brazen altar, your salvation has come into your life. 
water baptism at the laver. Washed and cleansed and your sins were remitted. You took on the name of Jesus. And when you received the spirit of Christ, now you have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are that temple now. And it's all over the scripture. The parallel is just there. It's, 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 you know, there's no argument about that. We all know that we are now the temple of the God's spirit. How many of you believe that? Thank you for the five that understand that. <laughs> more, okay, there's more of you. Okay, good. We're doing a good job then. But it is true. It is true. When you study the scripture, it was the fulfillment of what God intended to do. He showed it in the Old Testament. It was a foreshadow of things to come under a new covenant. But there's one thing that made that tabernacle what it was, and that was the Ark of the Covenant. If you look at this slide here, I want to show you something about the Ark of the Covenant that we need to see in this slide. That ark was in there. It was the representation of the Spirit of God. For that reason, I put the equal sign there, and I put the flame there, fire, representing the Spirit of God. That's how I think of the Spirit of God. But sometimes, because many times the Spirit of God takes on a different form, just like water. So one thing you have to understand about the Spirit of God is just like water. Water can be condensed into rain. Water can take on the form and gather and concentrate into a river. Water can go and gather into the sea. Then it can evaporate again. Water can get into the ground and end up in your home and it becomes drinking water. Water can end up in your fridge and become ice. Water can end up on your stove and become steam. Water takes many different shapes and forms and titles and identities based on its usage. So the Spirit of God does the same thing. The Spirit of God can be fire. The Spirit of God can be rain. The Spirit of God can be rivers of living water. The Spirit of God can be, it is the kingdom of God because Jesus reigns through his Spirit. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ, the anointing. It is the anointing. So don't get confused by identities and how the Spirit moves. It's the same God, the same Spirit, just different operations. How many of you understand that? But that ark, that golden box that was overlaid with gold and had the cherubims that were overseeing it where the blood and the mercy seat was. Inside there, there were three items that were placed, signifying that, watch this now, signifying under a new covenant, there will be three things within the Spirit of God that will be inside of us. Three operations of the Spirit to identify with us. Look at the next slide. So, wait, 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 hold on. Don't, don't change. Go back. Go back. Okay, here we go. The first thing was I got excited and got moved ahead. So, the high priest. That rod, that almond rod that blossomed was Aaron's rod as high priest. He was chosen out of all the others, because his rod blossomed when they were choosing the high priest, that was placed within the ark, or within, it would be in the presence of God. Now we know that under a new covenant, Jesus became the high priest, and now through his spirit inside of us, he makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered, and he that searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is. 
We have not another high priest who can be moved by the feelings of our infirmities because he was tempted like we were, yet without sin. Jesus became the high priest. That, everyone repeat after me, that is in the presence of God. The law was placed within the tabernacle because God would put that in his spirit. The law. The law was a secret to the covenant that God gave to Israel, but he wrote it on stone tablets representing their heart. Stony hearts, hardened hearts, they couldn't keep it. But God said in Jeremiah, we learned this already, that he would write them the law, the words, the commandments on our hearts, in our spirit, and we would keep them and walk in them. That's why when you experience the presence of God, the first thing you want to do is just do what's right. We call that righteousness. Obedience leads to righteousness, not ours, but his, through us. That's why many times people, when they get saved or they experience the presence of God, the first thing they do is start loving things and loving God, counseling all opportunities for sin to enter our life. Therefore, not having to go through and try to work so hard to keep the law, they actually walk in love. Does that make sense? The last thing is the bread. The bread was in the box. The bread was in there because it would be in his presence. And that would be the life-sustaining force that would keep us nourished in this world. I want to tell you that in this world is also symbolic for the wilderness. We're just on a journey. But we're entering into the kingdom now. And we're entering into a promised land that will never end. A kingdom that will reign forever, whose king will live forever, whose people will be with him forever. But there is a special bread that God has for us. A bread from heaven that God has given us. Now go to the next slide. So in essence, what I would tell you is, is that the first one, the high priest, has become the helper. The law and the word of God within the commandments that cause us to be led by the spirit is the leader and the bread is the feeder. The helper, the leader, and the feeder. This was all inside the Ark of the Covenant, which would be symbolically the presence of God inside of us. Somebody say, I'm the temple. Come on, somebody say, I believe I'm the temple. We're going to talk about that bread. Because in that bread is nourishment for your body. It's more than just nourishment. It will make you whole. It will give you life. And if you understand how to eat it, and when, and where, you will grow in your life in faith, hope, and love. You will grow in healing as well. If you need a healing in your body, if you understand this concept, you can receive it today. The one example we understand about bread and where it comes from is the fact that Jesus had to go through a battle in his wilderness. What's this now? Just like Israel went through the wilderness for 40 years, Jesus went through his wilderness for 40 days. I want you to look at Luke chapter 4, because the first point I'm going to give you is we live by every word that comes from God's mouth. We live by every word that comes from God's mouth. This is the first point. What comes from God's mouth is spirit and life. 
in Luke chapter 4, the scripture says that Jesus, Luke chapter 4, verse 2. The scripture says that Jesus was tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterwards, when they had ended, he was hungry. I would have said he was hangry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But listen to Jesus' reply. The temptation was the hunger. The temptation was in your flesh. The temptation is our desires, our lusts. We always want to blame the devil, but our biggest challenge is not the devil. He was taken care of at Calvary. Our biggest challenge is our own desires that he clings on to to manipulate us. But once your desires have been conquered for a desire for God, he can't win. He can't win. Because look at Jesus. Look what he said to him. He said, Jesus answered him saying, it is written. Someone say, it's written. Man should not live by bread alone, a natural bread. Alone. He didn't say you didn't have, he didn't say it's bad for you. Although in those days they didn't have the same, it was probably gluten free. Better for them. But in this portion of scripture, he was simply saying, you can't live by eating natural food alone, but by every word of God. Or another translation says, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every spoken word. He wasn't speaking of a written word. He was actually referring to something that came out of the mouth of God. Know the difference. There is a huge difference from you reading your Bible and then assimilating the Bible. Digesting the word of God. There is something that God does in that process. When you begin to process the word of God, it is something that is illuminated. Last week, I believe it was, we talked about the word of God and the law. Was it last week we talked about this, the law in our life? No, that was the week before, I think. One of these weeks we talked about this semester that the word of God is very important to have the law and the word and its commandments in the mind because what's in your mind can restrict the flow of the spirit. It is. What can clog the flow of the spirit is what's in your mind and your thinking. This is where the word of God comes in. But when that word becomes manna, bread, it's whenever you have coupled your Bible reading life and kept the word of God in your heart and coupled it with prayer, when the spirit of God illuminates the word of God, it's called, write this down, revelation. When the Spirit of God illuminates the Word of God, it's called illumination or light. Whenever you see light in the Scripture, it's referring to an illuminated mind. For example, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. This was the light of men, the life of men. 
And then it says that John wasn't that light, but this was the light that brought life to every man that comes into the world. He came unto his own, but his own did not receive him because they not, did not comprehend or understand. When Jesus gave light into the world, it was his teachings that he gave light, understanding, to illuminate their minds, but they couldn't see because of their hearts. But when he poured his spirit out, Jesus said this to the disciples. Pay attention very closely. Jesus said, I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send you someone in your spirit. So whenever you have him, he's going to bring to remembrance everything I taught you. Then you're going to understand. He spoke in parables, but it didn't make sense to them. But when they received his spirit, they learned and they were taught and he instructed and they were like, oh my God, now I understand. Because the spirit did that. Why? He illuminated and gave understanding. It wasn't until they accepted it that it became bread. Once the spirit of God comes into your life and you fill your heart by meditating and taking the word of God, the spirit gives you understanding on the word. Then when you receive it, you have digested it. And then when you receive it, here's the outcome. The result is nutrients, health, wealth, and everything your spirit man's supposed to be. Strength, joy, love, power. How many of you feel powerful after you eat? <laughs> How many of you feel sleepy? <laughs> but if you go too long without eating, you get weak. So you keep a good diet, right? Or you keep a menu in front of you somehow. Well, the word of God is just as important. The word of God is just as important. <laughs> and you have to be reminded to eat. You have to be reminded to consume it on a regular basis. So last night we were going to bed and I went into prayer and I was just praying and I thought, you know, my wife, Pastor Dawn, my wife loves to hear rain sounds at night. So I'm going to find a good playlist on iTunes and play the rain sounds. And, and I'm going to put it on the, on, the, on the sound bar. And I'm going to let it just be real nice. I'm just going to set her up tonight, let her sleep well. Because and, and, I don't always put the rain on every night. And uh, so I did. I found a playlist. Three o'clock in the morning, I'm, I, I'm asleep. Three o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden I hear this ding. And I wake up for a moment. What was that? An alarm clock or something. I couldn't figure it out. Three minutes later, rain's going. <sighs> ding. This went on to about 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning. And every time it went off, I just went up and went back down. Went up, went back down. What's that? What's that? What's it? What time is it? What's my name? <laughs> or so, I woke up, and I was so mad. I said, whose phone is doing that? 
I looked at her phone. I looked at my phone. I looked at our watches. I was out of bed now, mad. And I hear it again, ding. Where is that coming from? Went to the restroom, see if it was something in there. Walked back around. This is going on for a little while. I'm mad. Because I was sleeping good, man. And, And every three minutes, there it is. I just for a moment, I thought, man, I wonder if I downloaded some kind of an Asian rain something. And, and I looked at my phone on the playlist, and it said, in Asian writing on there, it said, Chinese ring every three minutes with rain. And I thought, man, it was me. It wouldn't let me sleep. It just was there. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I thought to myself, and while I was preaching this morning, it's like the Spirit of God told me in the first service, sometimes you need to be reminded it's time to eat. A lot of us think that the dinner bell goes off only when we're going to be in heaven with God at the Last Supper with him there, and that's the great dinner of the feast, the last feast or whatever. I, I want to tell you, we are seated with him now, and dinner's already been broken. The bread has already been broken, and we are ready to consume. And if you don't eat, God has a unique way to wake you up while you're sleeping to ring the dinner bell and tell you it's time to eat. He'll waken you up out of your sleep. I'm talking about your spiritual slumber. You can be awake in your body, but asleep in your spirit. And the spirit of God will begin to tell you it is time to eat. When you feel that, You must go to the Word of God, and you must, no matter where you're at, go into prayer. You don't have to be solemn and and, and so proper and go find a... I mean, don't... If you're at work, because it will happen to you, you will hear that ringing. That ringing I'm referring to can be an impulse, a desire. And it will hit you at moments when you're with people, while you're watching something on television... When you're watching a series, when you just got invited to go out to eat, it will hit you at the odd moments to test your heart to see where your affections lie. I promise you. I promise you, it will hit you. But I also promise you, according to God's word, if you'll nourish the spirit man, he'll grow and grow and grow. And your desires will be your desires will turn into his desires. Your thoughts will turn into his thoughts and your body and your mind and your soul will begin to heal. There is something that occurs when you consume God's bread. But remember, the consumption of the bread is a combination of prayer and the word of God. It's not just the word of God. It's desiring insight and understanding from the word. You grow in wisdom. But the consumption is when you've received it. And accepted the reality that that word is real. That word is tangible. God's word is everlasting and everlasting Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away. The reality of what God has conveyed to us through men as they wrote 
by moved by being moved on by the Holy Ghost is that it was a promise with an end result to change our life. The reason why Jesus walked in this earth and never fell and succumbed to sin was because he consumed the bread of life. And not only that, he was the bread of life. He lived by every word that came out of the mouth of God. When he went into prayer, the Spirit of God would nourish him. He would receive it. He'd have understanding. All they had was the Old Testament. And the way they listened to the Old Testament and received from it is whenever they sat in public and heard them read from the Word of God and they took note. And they had to go from there and they had to study it from there. But you know, you see, we're so conveniently given the Word of God, but yet we don't read it. You have the Word of God at the end of your fingertips, anywhere as you want it. Back then, they had to go to the synagogue to hear it. It was audible learning. Do the study. Everybody didn't have a Bible. That wasn't the case. They had to go into public to hear the Bible and make note of it and go home and get it down in their spirit and write it down. Put it on the doorpost. Put it everywhere in the walls for the children to see. But here's where the New Testament and the New Covenant became real. It's when Jesus became the bread of life. And it's when Jesus who was the word of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And that grace and truth has continued to be in our life since after the resurrection. And when we can look at the word of God and we can begin to understand that God's spirit intermingles with what we take into our heart and there's an understanding and an illumination, your faith will begin to grow. Your love will begin to grow. Your hope will begin to grow. Your positiveness will begin to grow. Is that even a word? You'll become more optimistic by faith. Things begin to transpire, and then when you consume enough of the bread, you start thinking like Jesus. You start acting like Jesus. You start loving like Jesus. But what happens when you consume it, it is an actual deliverance that takes place. A transformation. A transformation. There are two, I'm going to say two concepts of deliverance. One is you're delivered from something. You can write this down if you like. Deliverance means you're delivered from something or you're delivered into something. You can be delivered from a spirit or an addiction or from an old season. Or, see, we think of deliverance as casting out a demon or something leaving you. Or you can be delivered like labor pains and birthing pains. You can be delivered to your next level of ministry, next level of authority. When you push... When you pray, when you seek God, God will deliver you into your next. But you got to pray, you got to push, and you have to begin to consume because bread brings deliverance. Point number two, God brings deliverance. He did it through the bread. Listen to this. Mark chapter 7, 25 says, 
For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, Jesus, and she came and fell at his feet. And the woman was Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she kept asking him, Jesus, to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first. He was ministering to the children of Israel but he referenced it as a time of eating. She asked for him to deliver her daughter. And Jesus replied to that as a time of feeding. Recognize that. Did you catch that? Jesus was speaking from a spiritual connotation and disposition and, un- and revelation of what it was. Whenever God delivers us from something, it's because we've consumed the bread of deliverance. Listen to this. So he said, let the children be filled first. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And here's what changed her circumstance. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat. The children's crumbs. She wasn't asking for a whole loaf. She was just asking for crumbs. It just takes a little bit for God to do a whole lot in your life. And then he said to her, for this saying, for this saying, for what she said, for what her faith took, for how she consumed. Literally in that moment, her faith allowed her to consume from the bread of life, who was Jesus. Did you catch that? She just got a crumb. She consumed in that moment, and Jesus said to her, for this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. What's this? The demon has gone, past tense. When did it go? When she released that saying and consumed. In the moment you accept, through understanding, recognize that she saw Jesus with her very own eyes deliver the sick, heal the sick, demonic oppression. But Jesus told Thomas, Thomas, because you have seen, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen yet still believe. Come on, somebody. Do we have any believers in the house this Sunday morning? The moment you get a revelation with your spiritual eyes, you may not have seen Jesus physically. You may not have seen him with your own eyes, but by faith, when you understand what the cross had done, what happened at the burial, the resurrection, and what happened in his life when he was broken and when the body was broken, and you receive it, and you consume it by faith, and you accept it, there is something going to happen in your life the moment that you do. You don't have to wait for church. You don't have to wait for the pastor to pray. You can receive anything you want from God the moment you believe. The moment you believe. Jesus was trying to teach us something even at the Last Supper. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, 22 says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them 
and said, take, eat, this is my body. What in the world did that mean? Like if I was sitting at the dinner table with Jesus and he said that to me, I'm like, what in the world did you put in that bread? Right? That's from a carnal perspective, right? He meant what he said. You know, he wasn't lying. This is my body. Like, not quite sure what that means. He was giving them another reference, another reference to a spiritual experience that was fixing to come. And he said it to them again in that scripture and this passage throughout the Gospels. He said, I will not eat it with you again till I eat it fresh again in my father's kingdom. The consumption of the revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done is what matters. Write this down. Manna meant what is it? And because they didn't know what it was, they refused to eat it and enjoy it like they should have. But here's the point. The point is, it doesn't matter what you call it. All that matters is what it does. You may not understand it fully, but one thing you have to understand is that it works. It works. Someone say, God still heals. Come on, somebody say, I'm healed in Jesus' name. Somebody say, I receive it in Jesus' name. He broke his body for me. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. Now, the Apostle Paul wasn't at the Last Supper, but the Apostle Paul had a revelation from Jesus. And listen to what he said, 1 Corinthians 11 and 23. He said, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. He said, I, I wasn't there, but I received this from the Lord. He told me himself in prayer. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, when manna fell from the sky, it wasn't loaves of bread. It was fragments and, and flakes. Then the manna had to be taken, and then they made bread out of it. Watch this. Bread has to be prepared right how many of you just like like uh, how many of you've ever made fresh bread did you just like go straight to the dough and eat it no. i mean did you go straight to the ingredients and like put it all together in your mouth and go oh man this is great bread <laughs> right everything jesus had to do in this world was preparing a recipe for himself and when jesus had a recipe he had to go He had to go through the heat. He went through the fire. You know why I love Jesus? Because I'm of the belief, you can believe what you want, but I believe that if Jesus experienced the lashings on his back, watch this now. You want to fall in love with him? Understand what he went through when he says his body was broken? He went through the crucifixion. He went through the lashings, the accusations, the spitting, the hitting of the face, the crown of thorns. 
He went through all of that. And then the scripture says he went into hell after the cross. He went into hell. His soul went into hell for three days. And some of us think that he just went up to the door of hell, the gates of hell, kicked it down and grabbed keys and took off. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. The bread had to go into the oven. I believe Jesus went into hell and experienced it for us so we wouldn't have to for three days. Think about that for one moment. For three days. And then he did something, and this is where he took the keys. For three days, he experienced hell and all the torment. Then three days came around, and he was gone. He said, see ya. I just overcame this now. So my people don't have to come here. He took the keys. Stripped hell of its authority. In a place where no one could ever, ever come out of, he came out of. Where do you get that from, Pastor Bobby? As Jesus, as Jonah was in the belly of the well that went down into the bits of the, the depths of the sea for three days, so shall the Son of Man also go down what Jesus said and doing that he delivered us not just from sickness disease emotional sicknesses he delivered us from hell when you consume the bread this is why the scripture says that he would never lose any of those that the father had given him because as long as you're consuming the bread you have eternal life as long as you're consuming the bread, you have eternal life. The bread then, the bread is broken. Would you like to see what the bread does? How many of you would like to see what the bread does? Turn with me really quick. I'm closing. I'm coming to a close. Don't come yet, Haley. I'm almost done. Isaiah 53. How many of you are feeling, falling in love with Jesus right now? Do you feel that? Do you feel that? How many of you are receiving this and you're understanding? Bread isn't consumed until you have a relevant knowledge and a revelation and you accept it by faith. Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, deep, the deepest grief. Understand that. A man of sorrows. This is Jesus he's speaking of, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighted him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, just like Job. Jesus was a type of Job. A punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced. Here's what the bread does. Because the bread was pierced for our rebellion. So when you consume of the bread that was broken, he'll get rid of of your rebellion in your life. The bread will deliver you from a spirit 
of rebellion where you'll begin to comply with humility and meekness to the will of God for your life. Because rebellion is the very source of sin, pride. Pride is what sent Satan down from the heavens to the earth. Pride is what causes us to look at God's will. Pride is what causes us to be so mad at Christians around the world because a few of them are judgmental. But let me tell you, and a few pastors take advantage of the finances, and a few of them have gone in error. And I'm going to tell you something. That's not for every church, and that's not for every people, and not our pastors are the same. I am so sorry that you've been hurt by pastors, but not all pastors are the same. I'm sorry if you've been hurt by churches, but not all churches are the same. You can't use that for an excuse anymore. There are some churches that are called and assigned and equipped and have a government and have an anointing and have a deliverance ministry and have healing ministries and have a ministry of restoration and reconciliation and healing. Because they understand what Jesus has done and they're grateful for the cross. But he was pierced. He was wounded for our transgressions, pierced for our rebellion. When you consume the bread, he changes your disposition, crushed for our sins. When you, the bread was crushed, but when you consume it, He'll deliver you from an old sinful nature. And see, only you know what sin is. The Word of God will help you, but the Spirit of God will convict you. But only you have to decide whether or not you want to keep eating from it. But if you consume the bread, and if you'll consume the goodness of the Word of God and understand that He died for your sins, then you'll get forgiven of your sins, and He'll wash them away. All you got to do is... Trust and believe. He was also beaten so we could be made whole. Beaten to bring wholeness. Some people get healed, but they're not made whole. You want to know what brings wholeness in your life? When Jesus healed the lepers, one came back and said, thank you. And Jesus said, because you did that, you're made whole. Gratitude of what Jesus did will make you whole. When you're thankful for the word and thankful for what he's done and you comply and you receive and you say thank you, he completes you with your thank you. I don't know who that's for, but I'm telling somebody here today, you have a lot to be grateful for. You have a lot to be thankful for, and you don't have it because you did it by the sweat of your own brow, and you didn't do it because you're so wise and so strong and so smart. God has blessed you. God has blessed you. God has touched you. God has enabled you. God has helped you. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. You got to give all the honor and all the glory to Jesus, because he's the one from all good things flow, from which all good things flow it doesn't matter what the rest of the world whether they recognize it or not i'm going to tell you right now just because you see somebody with bling doesn't mean it's from the king that's a fact satan took jesus on a high mountain and said i'll give you all the riches and all the gold if you'll worship me 
What he didn't know was Jesus already had all the riches and all the gold, and he was already wealthy. So when hell tries to tell you something like that, you need to tell him back, I've got it all already in my father's kingdom. According to his riches and glory, he supplies all of my needs. I'm a bread eater. I'm a bread eater. I'm not just a bread eater. I'm a, the bread winner. I'm the one who stepped in on this side of Calvary. I'm covered by the blood. I walk in his spirit. I'm led by the word of God, and I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Turn to somebody and tell them, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? What you have? What's available to you? Come on, Haley. Come on, Haley. Here's what I want to show you. Here's what I want to show you. When you eat the bread of life by faith, it's when you have received the benefits and are grateful for the crucifixion, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Watch this last slide. This pot of manna that was placed in the Ark of the Covenant stayed fresh. It was the only manna that did not turn into worms because it was placed in the box or in the presence of God. I have a revelation and understanding about those worms. And I don't want to go too far into it. Maybe one day I'll share it with you. But worms consume dirt. Worms consume dirt. Worms consume our old nature. It's in the scripture where it says that hell will be where the fire is never quenched and the worm never dies. There's something worse than just going to hell. It's having a memory of everything that God you knew about God. And it eats at you no matter what you try to do, you remember. What makes heaven heaven is going to be the fact that we're, our memory is wiped away from all the pain, all the hurt, all the heartache but your memory's not wiped away in the other place it will consume you and eat you alive but here's what I will tell you when you don't consume the word of God in your life it'll eat at your mind begin your conscience it will consume you but when you digest it and believe it and embrace it and walk in it it stays fresh and it has to be consumed on a daily basis in the presence of God. Heaven's bread stays fresh when it's in God's presence. Pray. Read the word of God prayerfully. And when you get an illuminated moment, receive it. How do I receive it, Pastor Bobby? By gratitude and praise. Write that down. How do I receive it? When God gives you the revelation begin to thank him and praise him in it. When you understand what Jesus has done for you, you begin to praise him and thank him for it. You're consuming. Somebody say, I'm a consumer. There's a reason why God put manna in that ark. Because it would be inside of us. And you can eat of that bread every day because it's been broken for you and I. And when you consume it, he will deliver you, heal you, set you free change your life and if you'll live on it every day the way the children of Israel picked it up every day and consumed of it 
your spirit man will begin to develop and grow and you'll spiritually begin to mature and you'll begin to have insight understanding revelation power Some of those miraculous moments in this church has been not when I prayed for somebody. It's when the entire church was in agreement and we spoke over somebody's life and God has healed them. That's the way it was intended to be. This, is not, this was never intended to be a one-man show where a man is lifted up and glorified. That's what makes this church different. But I do believe you need every man and every pastor needs a pastor and needs to have that set in order of government. I don't care how much you've been hurt. I've been hurt too, just like you by people and by pastors but it doesn't stop me from ignoring the order and the alignment of God for my life and it never will I'm not mad at God for anything God has already established a system and a place and an order of things but you have the same authority you have the same authority as anyone else has in this world if you just learn how to consume listen to what God is telling you and consume the bread will you stand to your feet if you've not given your life to Jesus do that right now by saying Father forgive me of my sins and Lord Jesus come into my heart come into my life I surrender to you right now make that your own prayer in your own way he'll forgive you of all of your sins if you've not been water baptized sign up for water baptism at the connection center if you want to learn more about the spirit baptism having the spirit and the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit which we wholeheartedly believe in this church is accompanied by speaking in tongues and we explain it to you and teach it to you sign up for our next workshop but in this moment for all of you that are, feel a resonant you can resonate with this moment right now just lift up your hands and say Lord Jesus put a hunger inside of me for the word put a hunger inside of me for the manna Lord I want to consume by faith teach me how to eat teach me how to consume teach me how to grow teach me how to pursue you ha. come on somebody lift your voice pray in the spirit pray in the spirit just begin to pray in the spirit right now and say Lord Jesus I'm hungry they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled, shall be filled. You got to be hungry for it. Say, God, create a hunger inside of me. 